title of the sermon is No Truth. Uh, the T is underlined on purpose. And we'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And um, uh, so we're going to have a quick Bible study moment. It's just a real quick one. So I just want you to see this picture real quick while we talk a little bit. At the beginning of the year, for me personally, I always want to affirm my allegiance to living out scripture. I feel like if there's anything that I do consistently, that's it. Um, I'm not uh, like at the end of the year trying to figure out what my New Year's resolution kind of person is. Not because I don't think that there's value in it. I do think there's value in affirming. I want to have some positive change in my life in the beginning of a calendar year seems to be a great time to do it. But there's something about an allegiance and dedication to scripture that I personally feel a call to at the beginning of every year. And um, so I wanted to take y'all on that journey with me this year. Uh, so we're, the primary portion of scripture that we're going to be in, I said we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but I also wanted to explain a little bit about how um, I do teaching because it's different. I recognize that it's every, every pastor, every preacher is different. Uh, so Many of you would be familiar with verses 16 and 17 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll read those verses. But I'm one of those preachers that like context. The context of what's being said matters a whole lot to me. It matters a whole lot because if you just jump into what Paul is saying in the middle of this letter to Timothy and just read this verse, there are countless ways to interpret it. Countless. You literally could put in whatever meaning you want. And sometimes that's what happens when we just look at one or two verses. So the fuller context of 16 and 17 starts at verse 10. Well, verse 10 begins with the conjunction, but. <laughs> and anytime you have a conjunction, that means there are some addition, there's some additional data above it that matters. So we actually have to read all of verse or chapter three to understand the context of 16 and 17. I'm gonna read 16 and 17 first. It won't show up on your screen, but I'll just read it. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That should sound familiar. I'm reading the New Living Translation, but the wording may be different than how you learned it or first heard it, but the concept should be familiar. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, and rebuking, and righteousness, dot, dot, dot. We've heard that for years, and that's not a, it's, and most times it's preached well. I'm not going to like discredit anything that anybody's ever said about this verse. But I just wanted us as a family to be on the same page about context being important before we just read a verse. So, verse one starts You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. 
For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. At the beginning of this, Paul is setting something up by saying the bad news first. <laughs> That's really, when you, when you see a list like that, it's not because Paul is like he took inventory, like there was like he, he had a vision and he was like, okay, there are people slandering, there are people scoffing, there are people disobeying their parents. It's not taking inventory of all the behaviors that are gonna be negative. What he's doing is painting a picture. He's painting a picture of how dark it will be and how dark it will seem because of where he's going. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasures rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. If Paul were like actually saying it out loud, I think he would have like said that in rapid fire. Like he would like <laughs> he would have this and that and this and that and that. Primarily just so we can understand what's what he's trying, the picture he's trying to paint. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. Pause. Ladies in the house. Every single time I read a verse that has to do with slavery, I cringe on the inside. I cr like the, the very core of who I am, like shudders. Yeah. And it's because, not because slavery from a biblical standpoint was slavery from an American standpoint, not at all. It's just because I know that slavery in scripture was used out of context Amen. to abuse my great, great, greats. <laughs> Every single time I read it in scripture, I shudder like, Wah! <laughs> it's the only thing I can imagine. And I could be wrong. It's the only thing I can imagine when there's something that talks about women in scripture forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. There's a shuddering that probably happens, not because what is being said in scripture is a problem, but because for generations it's been used out of context to mistreat and abuse and neglect and demean women. And while sometimes in sermons like this, oftentimes we like to just get to the main point of the verse, of the passage, because there's some weird stuff in the middle that we don't want to talk about, we're not going to do that because we're family and we're going to talk about it. So the cultural context, Paul is not degrading women here. He's not saying that women don't understand the truth and they're out here listening to gospel, gossip all day. 
He's talking because in that cultural context, by the time a young lady was reached the time where she could biologically have a child, she wouldn't be going to school. Which by definition means that she's vulnerable as it relates to all these new teachings coming out about this new religion and is dependent upon wise, discerning, caring, and loving teachers. Not because they're incapable, but simply because they, it is not valued to teach women in this cultural context on a, from, a, uh, from, from an academic standpoint. So they are culturally and societally vulnerable and in, in a position to unfortunately be led astray. I think if Paul were writing in 2022, he would be like, these kids watching YouTube. Not women being drawn astray because most of us in this room have gotten a space where we can read. Most of us in this room have gotten into a space where we are academically can function and we can read scripture on our own. That's not what Paul would say. It would be these kids out here watching YouTube, being led astray out here, worshiping Jesus and, do, and playing with Ouija boards. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> Listen, okay? But that's not demeaning. It is pointing to a societal norm that that's really pointing to the vulnerability. Why do we say that? Because the very next verse, these teachers opposed the truth just as John's and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and counterfeit faith. Paul isn't demeaning the women. He's chastising the false teachers. Amen. By pointing to the most theologically vulnerable members of the community saying they're leading them astray, not the women have an issue. You teachers have an issue. Paul's pointing to them. And so for all of the people in our lives who have told us that women shouldn't be teaching and women can't learn, and well, that's not what Paul says. That's a trick. He continues, but they won't get away with this for long, talking about the false teachers. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as Jonas and Jambres were. But you, Timothy, this is the beginning of this final thought, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what I propose, excuse me, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Remember that first list of a whole bunch of things that he was talking about was negative. He's intentionally pointing to something else. When you're studying scripture, that contrast is on purpose because Paul wants to create, he's like creating a scene. It's dark, but there's light. In the end, there's going to be a lot of darkness, but you know me. You know what this is. 
He's intentionally drawing your attention to the dark so he can more effectively point to the good. That last verse, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. That's verse 12. It's okay to know that Paul's writing to a group of people who will not just experience persecution spiritually, but also physically, mentally, emotionally, all the leads. <laughs> they are experiencing persecution. And while we won't experience it at that, well, I should say we won't, we currently aren't experiencing it at that same level. I always love to remind myself that I'm not experiencing it at that current level. So when the world around me would trick me into believing that wearing a mask is persecution. <laughs> it's okay. This, has no, this is not a political moment. It's just the truth. Paul's not talking about wearing a mask when he's talking about persecuting the saints. He's not. <laughs> he's not talking about anything that we, that we navigate. He's talking about people literally being killed because of what they believe. Now, there may be a moment in our life where we experience that in the United States, but we ain't got nowhere close to that. The persecution that we need to be on the lookout for is far more spiritual than it is physical. And that doesn't make it any less important. But I do think it's good to comb through. So we're not tricked because the whole point of this verse, the whole point of this passage is so you don't get tricked by people teaching random business. Verse 13, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Before we get to the familiar passage, all of that building up into this is important. It's not just that all Scripture is God-breathed and in useful dot, dot, dot. Yes, that's an important nugget. But the bigger and fuller context is 1 through 15. And 1 through 15 says, in the end, there will be all kinds of darkness and deception. And if your allegiance to Scripture isn't such that you are fortified and solid, just like the vulnerable people in our community who are academically and theologically have not been trained, you too, Timothy, teacher, preacher, you will also be deceived. Don't think that you are so solid in your theology that you don't have to care about your allegiance to Scripture, that you won't be deceived. Trust me, I know, fam. There's all kinds of preachers and teachers and academics and scholars and theologians out here being tricked. Perhaps it's because they're only reading 16 and 17. 
and not remembering that at the end, you're going to be deceived if you're not connected to what you've been connected to. These kids out here on YouTube. <laughs> All scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's truth. I said at the beginning of the year, I have this moment of rededicating myself to understanding and living out scripture. In this portion of scripture, I love the fact that Paul is encouraging Timothy and reminding him of the foundations in scripture that he's had. And I think that that's an important thing for us to also draw attention to. Paul is encouraging Timothy to stay true to the truth of Scripture, which by definition means Paul and Timothy are doing this together. The fact that you have the Bible app on your phone doesn't mean you get to go off and go interpret the Bible by yourself. That's okay. It's okay. I don't. I don't care how many degrees we have. I don't. I don't care how long we've been in this game. Nobody should. If you've been reading, if the first book you ever read was the Bible and not, not some Sesame Street little hardback, you still shouldn't. And that's not because you are incapable. It's because, it's because we're easily deceived as humans when we try to do stuff by ourselves. That's not a reflection of our intelligence, fam. There is a spiritual battle for my attention and allegiance. Amen. Amen. <laughs> there is a spiritual battle for my attention and my allegiance. It's not you. It's not me. It's not how smart or how dumb I am. There is a spiritual battle for my attention and my allegiance. And if I am so arrogant to believe that I won't get caught up in it, trust me, I'll be 10 years into a cult before y'all know it. It's okay for us to be honest. It's vulnerability and humility that actually keeps us from getting into spaces like that. It's being honest with the fact that I am susceptible to being tricked as it relates to interpretation of scripture because people have been tricked since the beginning. What makes me feel like I'm so different? That's what we call arrogance. <laughs> and that's how bears get trapped. They ain't looking. That's a graphic image, I know, and that's on a purpose. That's how we get trapped because we're not looking. And I want us all that this isn't a this isn't a conversation about being afraid of every teacher and every preacher. No, that's not the point. Please 
please listen to sermons. Please read books. Please get into commentaries. Please get a Bible dictionary. Please get a study Bible. But please don't do it alone. Please don't do it alone. Because when one author says something that tickles the way I feel, it makes me feel good, and I check it with my sister or my brother, and I'm like, Chase, that is interesting. <laughs> right? They love me, so they're not going to tell me it's bold. But they're like, that is interesting. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're reading the Bible. However, <laughs> based upon what you and I know to believe in Scripture and based, now this is where it gets real tough, based upon what I know of your history, Chase, I know why that might feel good to you. But that doesn't make it true. Woo! When you let somebody do that, <laughs> you're like, really, though? <laughs> really, sis? You all in my business like that? <laughs> Yes, because I love you. And I don't want you led astray. Because in the end, there will be people who love themselves and will follow every interpretation that makes them feel good. There will be lovers of money and will follow every interpretation that allows them to get as much as they can. They will disobey their parents and will follow every interpretation that allows them to dishonor their parents. They will be dot, 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 nothing sacred, and will follow every interpretation that allows them to do so. And Chase, I don't want you to get caught up in that. So I'm glad that we're talking about scripture together. I'm glad we get to bounce that off of one another. It's not because I don't like you and I don't want you to have freedom. It's because I want you to live in truth. There is a spiritual battle for your attention and for your allegiance, no truth with a capital T. The T is underlined on purpose. The closer we are in our intimacy with Christ, the more truth becomes revealed and a part of developing intimacy with Christ is being with his people too. Know Christ and Living out scripture becomes a lot easier. And Christ ain't never said for us to go off by ourselves and do this alone. So that's kind of this combination platter. When, I, when we first launched Unison, I, believe, I said this and I believe it still. You don't need to attend church to be a Christian. You don't. But every Christian needs biblical community. All of us do, period. That is a part of how the truth has encouraged us to live. And so as we know Christ, as we know truth, living within scripture becomes a lot easier. Last thing, understand and live the Bible. Uh, we were playing this game. Um, I have this red band on because I've been doing some traveling in that L.A. airport. I'll tell you. <laughs> so anyway, 
Um, we were playing this game when I was in California uh, a couple of weeks ago to, for my cousin's wedding. And there was one, um, there was, it's a card game. And it basically, it's just for you to spark up conversation with each other. I was playing with my siblings. And the card that I drew was a question. Uh, and it said that if I had one expertise that I wanted everyone to value more, what would it be? And it was a very quick answer for me. It's to understand and live the Bible. I'm not saying I, I know everything about scripture. Nope, that's not the point. Because even if I didn't have expertise in it, I'd still want it. <laughs> the more conversations I have with people, the more I see that there are multiple camps as it relates to, to the Bible, but there are two primary ones. And then they have little arms. One of them is you got to know everything about scripture. Study it. Get in, dive into the history, dive into the context. What does this word mean? I want to know Hebrew. I want to know Greek. I want to know Aramaic. I want to, I want to be able to pronounce every single name in the Old Testament. And that's great. And then you have this other side. As everything that I see in Scripture, I want to be able to apply to my life. Great. But the honest, separating those two, honestly means that you're just as immature as the other side. If you're just trying to live with no understanding, it's immature. Amen. And just trying to understand with no living, it's immature. Amen. Christ calls us to a space of understanding and living, and that means ultimately a surrender to it. I want Scripture to be authoritative in my life. So I need to understand it and live it. Understand and live. And when I don't understand, because it's authoritative in my life, I ask questions. Not because I'm incapable of finding out things and not because Google isn't a wonderful tool. It's because... I want to understand so I can live and the most useful and regular tool that God has given me for understanding is the community he's placed me in. Every year, every year at the beginning of the year, it's not a resolution, it's just a recommitment. I want to understand and live the Bible. And I encourage us as a family, not just because it's something I do. That's not the point. I'm only telling you because we're family and I get to. But I encourage us as a family to make that kind of recommitment too, to understand and live the Bible. I guarantee it. Our lives are blessed because of it. Amen. I like to say it doesn't matter why you put grass on or uh, water on your grass is going to be green. Understanding scripture and living it makes your grass green. Trust me. Does that mean that we never have problems? Nope. Does it mean I never get sick? Nope. If I understand and live scripture, I'll know that. 
But it does mean that I've been given a wisdom that actually is talked about in 2 Timothy, a foundation by which I can function in such a way that God is honored, my world and the world around me is blessed. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have left us your heart in words. Honestly, the best way for us to, to truly wrap our head around what scripture is. It's also why it can and should be authoritative in our life because it is your values, your heart, your desires, your plan, your will. Give us grace and humility to live in it. God, what we don't understand, reveal to us because you can and we can ask you that. God, we're in our hearts, we are checked and even sometimes grieved by what we read in Scripture. Don't, don't allow us to just graze over it or to skip over it or to denounce it, but give us grace and patience to wrestle for a second. And pull other people in whom we trust. We want to live based upon how you have revealed yourself to us. And you revealed yourself to us in scripture. So we embrace the humility of what it is to have my life transformed and renewed by your words. Embrace the vulnerability of what it is to admit that I don't always understand everything that's in there. And I embrace the community that you've placed around me. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 